welcome to These Days at Home podcast. I am Melissa Johns from the blog HarborHome32.com. I invite you to sit down with me and have a cup of coffee as I share encouragement, relatable life stories, and biblical reflections on These Days at Home. Hello, welcome back to These Days at Home podcast. I hope you all had a great week. This last weekend, we had our twins' first birthday party, and I can't believe they are already one. This last year with twins has been a blur, but so fun. I love seeing them grow, yet I know this next season will be one of the busiest. Some people think the first year of a newborn life, like newborn life, is the hardest. Well, I think it's the years of one to two. They are mobile. They can't really communicate. Um, Developmentally, they're getting into everything and curious, and you are really learning their personality and how to parent them, and yet also having to just kind of say, I'm just going to let everything go because everything is developmentally where they're at. And I I have two of them. I've got two. Uh, To quote the movie Home, um, Home Alone, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof woof you guys oh it's just gonna be a crazy time this next year um so anyway I was reflecting reflecting on this before um and before we get into our topic for today I wanted to offer a little encouragement related to uh or unrelated to this topic after all I want this podcast to serve as an encouragement to you guys and point you towards the Lord. This season is a little, the season of um, whole food cooking and non-toxic living is a little off topic or a little off brand, I guess you could say. So I want to just take some time here to share um, just an encouragement like I've done in all my other podcasts. So in my prayer time this morning, before I heard little footsteps tiptoe downstairs, I was telling God and how stretching of a season this was for me and how tough it was. I was just kind of pouring out my thoughts to him. And I was reminded of the verse in Psalm 66, verse 10. It says, for you, God tested us. You are find us like silver. Um, so if you guys don't know, refining, um, silver or refining metal is uh, a process where the blacksmith would, um, they would have the, the metal is kind of like a liquid. It's heated up, um, and it melts into a liquid and the fire is kind of stays underneath it. And as the fire, uh, stays underneath the metal it brings all the filth to the surface and the blacksmith's job was to clean the metal and get all the filth out so that it would be a perfect, pristine, beautiful, shiny silver. And um, how he would do that is he would lean over and scrape. It would come up to the top, he would scrape it off and come over to the, or it would come up to the top and he'd scrape it off. And he would do that until he saw his own reflection in the silver and so God, that's what he does to us. We, um, we have sin in our hearts and we have difficult seasons that we go through. Um, but God uses them to refine us, to make us more 
pure to um, make us more into his image. He will not stop until he sees more and more of himself, his reflection uh, when he looks at us. And so I just, I heard that story um, or analogy a long time ago. And it was one I was reminded of afresh today. And um, so this season of growing little ones and just I'm being stretched in a million different directions um, in, in our home and as a person in general. Um, and it's, it's refining. It's refining. Um, I hope and I trust and pray that God is continuing to grow me, to make me more like his son, Jesus, and um, that I can bring glory to him. In, in doing so. So I hope that encourages you a little today. If you are in a season of refining, uh, you feel like you're being refined by the fire. I, um, I'm right there with you and, um, yeah, we can trust God together. So with no great segue today, I am going to be talking about whole foods versus healthy eating and other diets and what is organic versus non-organic or GMO, non-GMO, etc. I will be sharing some of the ways we have our family has transitioned to eating primarily whole foods and some uh, meals that we really like or some concepts for meals that we really like. Also, I will share what um what are some of the dirty dozen um, if you've heard that term dirty dozen, um, when it comes to produce and what, uh, is important to buy organic, etc. Just some hopefully helpful information for you guys to have. Um, I got really into this as I was, um, preparing. And so I hope I don't go down too many rabbit holes, but I really think this is important information if, if you're interested in this topic. So, um, so yeah, so, okay. When I talk about whole foods, what I'm talking about is um oh as a whole food it's something different than healthy eating or diets so whole food or whole foods as is kind of like what is found in nature so apples potatoes vegetables fruits meats eggs nuts um or foods like broth um like a homemade bone broth uh, pastas with one or two ingredients, um, a homemade mayo, things that can be made from whole foods. So, um, so yeah, like I just said, mayos and pastas, those things, if you look at the ingredients on um, those foods, pastas usually are pretty uh, whole food, I guess you could say. There's only usually one or two ingredients depending on the brand you buy from. Um, mayos at the store aren't, but when you make a mayo from, uh, from at home, it is. So you, there's like egg and a little bit of mustard and vinegar and, um, I think vinegar and, uh, oil. So you kind of blend that together and you can, you make a mayo. So that that's kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about whole foods now versus healthy eating is, um, I think healthy eating is a little bit more of a general term. For example, before I started my journey, I would say something like, yeah, I want to start eating healthier. And to me, that meant I wanted to, well, probably lose a few pounds. Um, and I wanted to try not to eat as much junk food and maybe, maybe make sure I got all my veggies. Um, or you might people hear, you might hear people say they wanted to start eating healthy and they were refer referring to a certain kind of diet like Atkins, keto, paleo, plant-based, uh, carnivore diet, a diet, 
carnivore diet. There is such a thing. Um, Mediterranean diet, low fat, non-fat, no sugar, low sugar, etc. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they were eating whole foods. So that's one of the biggest differences I want to kind of point out is like whole food is focused on um, whole foods themselves uh, versus like these other diets are just a little bit more specific to certain kinds. And there's so many reasons why someone might start eating a certain way to lose weight, or maybe they have a certain, a heart issue or diabetes or a sodium problem. There are many reasons why people choose to change their lifestyle. And I think no matter who, where you are on your journey or what your circumstances are, if you are looking for a certain, looking for a change, it is important to, it is important to determine that, uh, why, why are you doing it? What is the foundational why you are wanting this? In my experience, if the why isn't strong enough, it doesn't last. You can't make a life change if you are just wanting to drop a few pounds because what happens? I've been there. Once you do lose the weight, you think, oh, phew, made my goal. Now I'll just go back to living the way I was before. Um, and if, if you are wanting a true life change, though, a life altering change, I would strongly recommend uh, doing a little soul searching to figure out that why uh, to make it a permanent change. You can use the term uh, why or the concept of a why ladder. Have you heard of a why ladder? <clears throat> a why ladder is basically uh, asking yourself a question or, you know, asking yourself why. Like, um, okay, why do I want to change this lifestyle? Well, I want to, um, I want to be a healthy person. Okay. Why do you want to be a healthier person? Well, I want to, um, I don't want to have as many health issues and I want to live a long life. Okay. Why don't you want as many health issues and I want to live a long life? Well, I want to be around to see my grandkids and, um, love my family. You know, you kind of just go all the way down until you kind of hit that very last bottom. This is the why. And it usually is a much deeper thing than just the surface level. I want to lose a few pounds, want to look nicer in my pictures or, you know, whatever the case. Um, for me, I realized that my future family and health was in jeopardy and I didn't, uh, and if I didn't address those, uh, issues, um, I could potentially have a lot of problems down the road and yeah, my family and health would be in jeopardy. And as I started learning things, I got really fascinated by it. So it became of a, a subject of interest for me and I saw it was doable and I never really looked back this whole life in whole food cooking. Um, so my point in bringing all of this up is that when it comes to diets, lifestyle changes, um, you ultimately have to de determine what works for you. And when it comes to nutrition and clean eating, they're, they're not all created equal. So whole food eating is, um, it does not necessarily fit exactly into the same diets. I just mentioned like the keto, paleo, all these things. There was, uh, there is no one diet that I felt covered, really covered it all for me or focus on what I thought was important. And that's why I kind of landed in this whole food cooking camp. It allows me to eat foods my body thrives on. I get to enjoy really tasty food. I'm eliminating, eliminating a lots of junk food too, but I'm not cutting out 
a lot of major food groups. Now, I'm, I'm grateful that I can do that. Some people are, they have a celiac disease, for example, and they can't have gluten or some have diabetes and they have to be really strict with sugar. Thankfully, I don't have any of those issues, so I can approach it in this way. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of wanting to lie that out there of each, each of those diets with like a term has a goal and a motive, you know, kind of along with the certain foods that you can eat, but a whole food cooking, um, concept is more of, yeah, just kind of like what I did, what I described. So even within whole foods, though, there are a variety of subgroups that have developed over the years. So crops, produce, foods aren't what they used to be, um, like maybe even a hundred years ago. What you see now when you shop are labels like organic and non-GMO, and or they're they they're not labeled at all. And then you may know of some people who do CSAs or they buy from local, only buy from local farmers, etc. So to present some hopeful information, I did a little digging into the history uh, in our country to provide you with a snapshot of the food in the U.S. in the last like 110 years. So I'm a little bit of a history nerd. And so I, I thought this was really fascinating. And I think... If you remember any of your high school history teachers saying this, um, if you don't study history, you're bound to repeat it. Or, um, you know, looking back can tell us a lot. And so I think, yeah, I think we're um, where we're at right now in 2023, we're on the young side of the Industrial Revolution. The world has existed long before this. And so we... I mean, I'm so grateful for the industrial revolution. There's so many things that like my whole life has come from this. Um, but I do think that uh, there are things specifically in the food world that we're realizing, oh, maybe this wasn't the greatest idea to do things this way or that way or, you know, what have you. Um, okay. So in the 1800s, the industrial revolution started, which changed a lot for our world, like tech. Uh, textiles, farming, transportation, you name it. If you're living in 2023, your whole way of life is possible is possible because of the industrial revolution. I can talk to you in a podcast because of it. So again, don't hear me saying industrial revolution is bad. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I love my fridge. <laughs> um, in two or so, okay, so going from industrial revolution, uh, in 1912, the first supermarket showed up in New York City, so the very first grocery store. In 1930, supermarkets became the dominant form of a grocery of the grocery store um, or grocery shopping in the U.S. In uh, 1940s, farmers were pushed to keep up with the demands and invest in technologies. People less people were becoming farmers or maintaining their farm, like the farm life in their family. And so, um, so yeah, and so the more people were needing to buy from the store versus from their local farmers, and therefore the farmers needed to up their uh, quantities that they were able to sell. Um, So because of that, they invested in equipment, but also fertilizers and pesticides and the GMO crop, um, came upon the scene. So GMO crops are 
genetically modified organisms, crops that are resistant to pests and diseases. And then in the 1950s, pre-made meals and TV dinners are introduced into the American lifestyle landscape. Um, there, so yeah, the TV, the frozen dinners, um, I'm sure most people listening know what I know what I'm talking about, but, um, back, uh, in, yeah, in the 1950s, this concept of a frozen dinner was, um, came up, came about, um, it was a TV dinner that had like a, a complete meal that was packaged and divided by like a little tray and you could heat it in the oven and then, the, and, and then the, um, you could sit down in front of the TV and eat your dinner, which a TV was also like a new thing in the fifties. So, um, it just became a kind of a new way of life. Um, they became quite popular for the American consumer and they became a symbol of convenience and, um, modern, uh, being modern in the 1950s. And, um, it, uh, I think it did, I think that the introduction of that specifically did change actually quite a bit more than maybe anything else. I think, um, today canned foods and pre-made food meals are staples in the American diet. According to the U S department of agriculture, canned foods account for about 20% of the total food supply in the U S and pre-made meals also are also popular and they account for about 15%, which I actually think is kind of low. I mean, just knowing how I personally have eaten in the past, like that seems kind of low, but I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's newer information. Like, uh, in 2023, that's, uh, the, the percentage anyway. Um, so yeah, kind of the introduction of pre-made foods or, um, yeah, packaged foods versus like cooking a meal from scratch. That's kind of where this all comes in. And then in the 1970s, the organic food movement gains traction. So, um, yeah, we'll touch on that later. Uh, and then in, in the 18, uh, or 1980s, the farmers begin selling their produce directly to consumers through CSAs and other channels. So a CSA is, um, I actually don't know what it stands for. I think it's like certified something, um, it's basically, so you sign up for a CSA and then, um, you get fresh uh, produce from local farmers. Um, I think you go and pick it up or they send it to you. Um, so it's kind of like a way to support local farmers, get a fresh organic food, uh, produce specifically to, to your home instead of having to go through a box store or go through, um, uh, other avenues to get, uh, to get food and it's usually organic and healthy. And then fast forward to th- 2020, the pandemic, ah, oh, the gl- glorious pandemic. It has led to an insurge of CSAs and buying from local farmers. So, um, I feel like I'm not late to the party in talking about these things. I mean, I feel like the whole food movement or, organic, you know, all of this stuff is still very relevant. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of more, a lot of people know more about it now. So, um, you may not be hearing all of this for the first time. I might be just another person talking about it to you, or you might, you know, be hearing about it, but either way, a 20, 2020 came around and me, like a lot of other people, my age, so many millennials, 
um, are like, oh my gosh, I can't rely on the store anymore to give me food. And it just was like this light bulb moment of like, where does my food even come from? Like we've, we've become so far removed from the food that we put in our mouths or the knowing what's in our food, all of this stuff that it kind of just like, yeah, it just kind of blew up. And all these people in our, in their thirties, I'm in my thirties. We were just like, okay, we, I still have time to move out to the country and start a homestead and grow my own food. <laughs> now I'm not growing all my own food. I think I covered that last, last episode, but anyway, the pandemic really changed a lot uh, for us too. So anyway, I, wanted to give you that little snapshot because I think it's important for us to look back at history and where we've come from. Like I said, we're on the young side of a lot of this stuff, uh, especially looking at, the, at that um, that 1950s era was not that long ago. It really wasn't. My dad was born in 1959. Um, and so this like new way of doing things, I think we're still seeing some of the, or we're just starting to see some of the, of the long-term results of the food changes that we are, that we've seen in our country. And especially, um, with the introduction of GMO products in the 1940s and then in the fifties with the prepackaged meals, many health problems like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, uh, obesity, and many more are way more prevalent now than they were even a hundred years ago. So of course there's a lot of other factors like we spend a lot more time inside than outside our lives and jobs don't require us to be as physically active technology plays a role too there are so many factors but we all eat three meals a day we all eat three meals a day and usually some snacks and some feel good goodies um to go with that. And so I think our food is where we have to start. If we want to see any significant changes in our health, in our mental health, in our life, uh, food is something that we, um, we can have a say in. We can't necessarily have a say in lots of other aspects of our world. But like I said, we put our own food in our mouths three times a day. We have the ability to, um, to make some changes or at least know what we're putting in our body. Um, anyway, I digress. So I wanted to mention the 1940s. Um, there was an introduction into the GMO foods. So, um, again, GMO is genetically modified organisms. They are crops that were developed or genetically modified to produce more or be more resilient to pests and diseases, helping farmers produce, more, sell more, and keep keep up with the demands. If you have ever tried to grow your own food, you know, can appreciate the apparent need for this kind of a technology. When you are a farmer, homesteader, you really are at the mercy of the weather, the seasons, the pests, farmers, and their whole year's income can be devastated um, by a drought or a bad crop year or yeah, a pest uh, situation or a disease breaks out in your in your crops or your your flock or your herd or whatever. Um, it's no wonder these t- new technologies would have you know seem like oh yeah a good idea. Yet there seem to be ramifications coming up to these things, and that is why the organic food movement uh, has grown and. Uh, kind of took off in the 70s, people realized it pretty early on. That's only 30 years 
um, between the 40s and 70s, only 30 years difference before people said, hey, wait a minute, this may not be a good idea. So, um, so anyway, what is the difference between, um, between organic, genetically modified, non-genetically modified foods? We see both labels on our food at the grocery store, but there is a difference. So organic farmers have a certain requirements on them to be considered, um, and actually like legally able to label their food organic. So here are some of the details. Um, organic, this is, this is comparing um, organic to non-GMO because we see both labels, right? And organic, actually, there's an, there's organic, you know, the label organic, and then some are USDA organic. And that is actually the one that you want to you wanna shoot for, that you want to look for uh, because they have even better... Uh, standards for their food versus like organic. It's kind of a little bit wishy-washy, but this, for the sake of the, what I'm about to share here, when I say organic, it's like the USDA organic uh, category. So uh, organic, they are not allowed to genetically modify their food, but the non-GMO labels, um, they can't either, but maybe producing uh, but they may be produced using convention, uh, using conventional agricultural practices. Um, so synthetic pesticides and fertilizers are not allowed in organic food, but they may be, may be used in non-GMO food. Uh, antibiotics, um, nope, they're not allowed in organic, um, but they may be allowed to be used in a livestock, a livestock production, um, that's labeled a GMO or non-GMO. Soil management, there's some strict rules in soil management and also um, animal welfare. So organic, um, both of those things, uh, soil management and animal welfare have strict rules, but non-GMO have no specific rules. So as you can see, the organic foods are under more... um, more restraint in how they grow compared to non-GMO products, which uh, still, which still better is better to have non-GMO products versus GMO products, but they are they still pose some issue in terms of how clean they really might be. Um, what so what what does this mean for you and I as we are out shopping for foods, looking for the USD? USDA organic labels, I think is probably a priority. Um, now I see even these labels on, uh, I see these labels on boxed foods. So I, I, I don't really recall seeing a lot of those labels on produce. So I'll probably have to be a little bit more diligent and looking at that. Um, so let's say like, um, I don't know, like a box of pasta, for example, uh, they, it may, might be labeled USDA organic. Well, that's that's referring to the wheat and you know other things like that. So, um, I think one of the biggest tips I would give people when um, when they are wanting to become more aware of foods, healthier eating, etc., is to start reading labels. When you pick up something at the store turn it around and start looking at the ingredients labels. Even if you don't make changes right there in the aisle, 
after so long of looking at labels with weird ingredients or seeing GMO listed somewhere in there, after so many times, you just start to feel uneasy with all that you're putting in your body. At least I did. After a while, I I just kind of took it, well, I took it slow. And after a while, I was just like, wow, I didn't see I didn't, I just didn't want to see those long lists of, of ingredients that I didn't know how to pronounce in, um, on, on the boxes that I was, I was buying. And so, um, I, I will get into reading labels into another episode, but I think that's one of the biggest steps that you, that you can make, um, is to check for that USDA organic, organic label. Cause in eating organic, you are you are um you're eating foods that don't have pesticides or nasty fer- fertilizers on them um and that it's not like the genetic makeup of that food isn't altered i just yeah i don't know you can make up your own mind about it every time i when i was doing the research for this episode every time i you know, would come across information. They're like, Oh, we have to make the choice. that's right for you. There's nothing truly wrong with GMO products. And I'm like, okay, yes, it's true. I mean, there isn't a lot of information out there. That's like this study was done. And this is GMO is bad for this reason. Like it is according to the, the FDA GMO products are safe. I, and a lot of other people think that there are just con- like results from doing and from changing foods, genetic makeup. There just has to be, there's not a lot of things in our world that we can be like, Oh yeah, I totally changed the gen- genetic makeup of a chicken and they are now, um, healthier because of it. I don't know. I just don't, I don't agree. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, so I think, yeah, looking for an organic label is probably one of the, one of the best things to do. Um, kind of along with that, the dirty dozen, um, if you've heard of the dirty dozen, you might, um, have heard of this. It's a, it's a list of food that the environmental working group or EWG report to have the most residue of pesticides and fertilizers on it. So those are the ones, um, that a lot of people recommend, um, especially buying organic. If you can't buy everything organic, try to at least buy these things organic. Uh, so this is the dirty dozen strawberries, spinach, kale, collard greens, nectarines, apples, peaches, pears, grapes, celery, tomatoes, and potatoes. The average, this is another little in, uh, tidbit that I thought was interesting. The average sample of strawberries contained 7.8 different pesticide residues, while the average sample of spinach contained 6.5. Oh, isn't that crazy? Oh man. And I, you know what? I am not very diligent about washing my produce. (laughs) I'll just say that. I mean, I, now that we grow a lot of our produce in the summer, you know, I know what's on it and it's, you know, I don't really think about it that much, but I, that even just preparing for this episode, that kind of shocked me a little bit. And so it's like, okay, yeah, let's get the, let's get the, the hose out and spray all this down really good and scrub it down really good. You know, you can actually buy these, um, 
it's like a fruit and veggie spray. It's like a little wash. You, and it's like, it's like all natural ingredients and you just spray on it and it helps. It's probably got a little bit of vinegar in it and other things just kind of get all that extra nasty stuff off of your uh, produce. So anyway, yes, those are the uh, big ones to make sure you buy organic and then also wash, 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 wash. Um, okay. So now that we've covered a lot of that, um, you may be thinking, well, what, how, what is, yeah, how does this really help me figure out what I'm going to eat? If I want to start eating whole foods kind of cooking in this way, like what is it that I need to be, how, how can I change my meals? How can I change how I eat around my house? So I'm going to give you just a few ideas, um, and some of the meals that we've been eating lately, and hopefully that can be uh, a help to you guys. So, um, Oh, the, the biggest way I've started to think about our meals or a meal and planning to eat is three, uh, three components, protein, veggie, and carbs. For a while I was doing just protein and veggies, but like so this was before we had kids, but I just, I, I need a carbs and I, I had cut out gluten for a while, but I reintroduced it, but I eat mainly sourdough products um, which is like a ferment sourdough is fermented grain. So your body's more, more able to digest it. Um, anyway, I just realized I do need carbs. I do. And they're not bad. They're really not. If you have healthy carbs and not just cookies, crackers, breads, like that's all of those are the only carbs you eat. Yes. Let's change that. But, um, Carbs in then in of themselves are not bad. So carbs would be things like squashes, potatoes, and fruits. Um, so the way I think about our meals, yes, is protein, veggies, and carbs. So for example, tonight's dinner, we had steaks and roasted potatoes, which is the carb, and roasted veggies. So there you go. Um, it, and we had broccoli and carrots. Those were the two that we... That we um, roasted. We could have done a chicken, sweet potatoes, and Brussels sprouts, or salmon, rice, and peppers. Those are all examples of, um, you know, kind of like the portioned meal, uh, protein, veggie, and carb. Thinking of your meals in this way will lend itself more to eating whole foods or get you to get in the habit of cooking whole foods and seasoning them and just finding things that you really, really love um, instead of looking up just like a ton of crazy recipes, which I, I do plenty of. Um, but I started, I started out this way of just trying to cook more specific, um, yeah, cuts of meat, having a veggie, having a carb, um, to just get myself used to eating more whole foods. And then, um, also just learning how to season them in the way that I really enjoyed them. Another big thing that we have done to kind of change the way we're eating or we eat is, uh, we've, we've pretty much, um, and I might cover this in another episode because it's another big topic, but I, I no longer buy white sugar in our house for, even for baking, I use alternative, um, sweeteners and not alternative like stevia or, 
different things like that, like monk fruit. I just, I don't like those. They don't really taste good at all, in my opinion. Um, But so I think there are, there are three of three sweeteners that we use that are delicious. They are very nutritious and um, are the most natural form that you can get, which is succinant, which is the most pure natural form of uh, cane sugar that you you can get, honey and maple syrup. Um, And those are, yeah, those are our sweeteners and they've made a big difference. Again, this could be another episode, but conventional white sugar is a highly processed sweetener and it and is uh, further, it's further removed from its original form, the cane sugar. And these sweeteners are easy for our bodies. Um, the other sweeteners like the honey, maple syrup, all those things are easy for our body to digest and they don't cause, um, they don't create as much as a inf- inflammatory response in our systems. So that's another, a big change that we have made. Um, when it comes to cooking, you know, things like cooking oils, just using really good quality cooking oils. Um, I kind of grew up in the, or I did, I grew up in the nineties, um, and two early two thousands when cholesterol people like, well, that was a major buzz buzz thing. Um, yeah, the Atkins was a big buzz thing. Um, and so I think it's just like ingrained in my head that like, Oh, like fats are bad, you know, so low fat, everything. Well, for women, especially, uh, and this was, this is part of the book that I was talking about last week, the whole food cooking or uh, cooking for hormone balance book is that women actually need good fats to metabolize our hormones. So this idea of women not having any fat at all, um, you know, like there's just, it's not, it's it's not good for our hormones to have zero fat or have very, very little fat. Like we need really good fats. We need good animal fats, like, uh, the fat that you would get from a chicken, like skin of a chicken, um, or, you know, from, from red meat or from, um, yeah, other good meat sources or, uh, butter or, uh, a full fat yogurt or a full fat milk. Um, or avocados or olive oils. Um, those are all really good, uh, really, really good. And nuts, nuts also have a good oil in them. Um, the, or salmon, um, I'm thinking of all these things as I'm talking here. Um, those are all really good fats that we need in our diet. So focusing on those things instead of, um, you know, the bad fats, I guess you could say like from bad oils or from, you know, highly processed, foods, um, having, having a good amount of good fats in our diet is another very healthy thing. And so that's another, uh, major change that we have made. Um, and then, oh, excuse me. And then, um, yeah, like I mentioned with the sourdough, that's another big change that we've made. Um, I'm, I'm committed to making as many of our own bread products as I can with the sourdough. Actually, when I'm done with this, I'm going to go and make, uh, a German Bavarian or bar, uh, how do you say that? Bavarian, Bavarian, uh, pretzel. <laughs> so tomorrow is, um, 
as I'm recording this on October 30th, tomorrow is um, October 31st, which is Halloween to most of the world. But in the John's house, it is Reformation Day. So uh, we're actually for the first time, we are doing some themed food, German themed food, because Martin Luther was from Germany. So yeah, we're kind of we're kind of uh, uh, theology and church history geeks in this house, but uh, I'm going to be going and making a sourdough Bavarian pretzel so we can have some fun, fun things for tomorrow. Anyway, those are the big changes we've made um, and how we're kind of trying to stick with like a whole food cooking. Now I'll say again, I'll say it many times in this pod or this season is that um, we are not like elitist in this. We are not perfect in this. I think I told you last episode that we went to McDonald's for lunch. So as as I can control the food in my home, that is where where all my effort is. We still enjoy food out. When we go to other people's homes, we don't make a stink about things. We are We do what we can in our house <clears throat> and then um, we enjoy life. You know, we enjoy normal parts of our life outside of the home when it comes to good food. Um, so anyway, if that can be an encouragement to you guys, um, please do send me an email. If you have any questions about anything that I talked about, I would love to stay in communication with whoever is listening to this. If you guys have questions, I would love to talk to you. Um, we have a lot of more episodes coming up. I'm really excited about next week. We have a special guest, um, my cousin who is going to be sharing her journey on hormone balance, hormone balancing, whole food cooking, homesteading, all the things. Um, so please stay tuned and hear, uh, hear from her. Um, and I'll probably be putting out a a poll on Instagram, uh, next week or this week. Um, just asking if you guys have any questions and if there's any questions I can answer at the end of our next episode. So thank you so much everyone for listening to this. I hope it was uh, insightful. I hope it was informative and, um, yeah, I just hope this is a, a fun topic for you guys to, to listen to. So I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For daily interactions and more inspiration, find me on the socials at Harbor Home 32 or my blog, harborhome32.com. Talk with you next time. Bye.